time for the December 23, 2022 edition of Weekly Signal's Weekly Review, a personal recollection of the last 168 hours of history, broadcasting on Festivus from the University of California at Irvine on KUCI 88.9 FM. I'm Nathan Callahan. And I'm Mike Kaspar. And, as always, an energetic, wholly entertaining musical romp, Mahler, the <laughs> fake news dog. Hi, <laughs> Mahler. Same to you. Yeah. Today, we'll be talking about the new state of San Bernardino, unvaccinated drivers, the California psychedelic mental health bill, seeing your future in a smartphone, and some more stuff. But first, <laughs> okay. do you like spinach? Yes. You do? I do, and I, you know what? I kind of always have. When I was a little kid, not as much, but I love spinach. So anyway. how do you prepare your spinach? Well, I do something. I usually mix it in with, I make soup. I like to make soup. And what I usually do is I take the noodles, because I make a noodle-based soup, right? Uh-huh. And I put the spinach in the cauldron. What kind of broth are you putting in there? It's a veggie broth. It's a right. low-sodium veggie broth that I get from Trader Joe's. So okay. and I mix it in with the pinto beans and carrots and onions and all that. Uh-huh. And when I boil the noodles and I put the, the spinach in the little strainer. Yeah. And I pour the, the noodles out over the spinach and it. So the spinach isn't cooked, but once you pour that uh, the hot, hot water, boiling water on it, uh-huh. it kind of steams it up. Steams it, up. I don't imagine it gets real floppy then. It no, it gets. It has a nice. Yeah, it's very seaweed-like yeah. at that point. Kelpie. Do you like spinach? Yeah, I'm okay with spinach. A little lemon on it by itself. Lemon, you know, yeah. Steam it and then a little lemon. I, I like it cooked, actually, better than I like it raw. Yeah, people put it in in salads, but yes. Yeah, yeah. But, I, but I like the spinach I do, too. I myself. like it. Yeah. Well. Even a cream spinach is fun. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Big time. Fan. From the Washington Post, more than 114 people in Australia inadvertently ate spinach that had been contaminated with an unknown toxin, causing them to uh, hallucinate and become delirious. Whoa. As a result, authorities issued a national recall for 13 spinach-based food products. I feel like my body was moving when it's not, said Patrima Kafel, mm-hmm. who said she hallucinated, felt confused, and experienced full-body numbness after consuming a 7-ounce cooked serving of spinach. Hmm. Kafel said her symptoms began 10 to 15 minutes after she ate the spinach, which she purchased at a Costco. I didn't know they had Costco's in Australia, but there you go. I felt dizzy, needed someone to hold me to stand and support me to walk. She recalled adding that she was unable to drink a glass of water without spilling it, and at one point fell on the floor thinking she was in bed. Wow. Well, this just sounds like a normal hallucination here. I don't like the full body numbness part. Yeah. That doesn't sound that very... Would be disconcerting. Although I don't quite get it. I mean, that would mean you wouldn't feel a thing. So it was the toxin that caused this hallucinogenic... Yeah. According episode. to Riviera Farms, a spinach grower included in the recall, the contaminated vegetables were grown on a farm in Victoria State where they appeared to have been contaminated with a weed which can have health consequences if consumed. Hmm. 
Clinical symptoms presented by consumers of the spinach products were suggestive of anticholinergic syndromes, which can be triggered through the accidental ingestion or intentional ingestion of anticholinergic agents, including deadly nightshade. That's one of those agents. Nightshade. Jimson weed, That's... mandrake root, uh, lupin beans, and angel's trumpet. Those are all psychedelic weeds, I suppose. Yeah. Wow, that takes me back to Glendale College. What were they doing there? Glendale College, we had a really cool older guy, professor at, who, of biology, and he would walk us around campus. Uh-oh. And he would point out things like that. Mr. Yardley was named, appropriately, he was into uh, biology. Uh-huh. And uh, he would, there was some gypsum weed growing on campus. Wow. And he pointed at it, and this is a long time ago when people ingested things that they didn't really know what the effects might be uh-huh. back then. And he said, you don't want to take that. Yeah. Because you will hallucinate for about 20 minutes and then you'll die. Die? Yeah, that's what he said. Uh-huh. That's what he said. Well, he had a, He yeah. knew the first part wasn't going to make you not want exactly it. right. So he had to add the exactly. other thing on. Exactly. Yeah. It was yes. It was the it was the reefer madness part of his yeah, his yeah. Uh, yes conversation. Yeah. So that was back in the day when people thought hallucinations were a bad thing. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. Did you ever uh, have any uh, mosquitoes around your house, Mike? Yeah. 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 We got a little pond in the back. Oh, that's right. Yeah, Yeah, the little pond. We got the little pond. It's it's a small little pond. It's a a fountain that never works. So it's just a a little pond. Is that its name? For me, it is. The fountain that never works? I keep telling my dad, give me 15 minutes and a sledgehammer and you'll never see that thing again. It's been that way for since he built it or since he had it put in. I think you have a party. I was really a sledgehammer party. Maybe, maybe we could wear like stripe uniforms, <laughs> yeah. and that would make your dad think that it was kind of cool because yeah. you know incarceration, incarceration and all that. Yeah. People, you know, paying their debt to society. Yeah. you know that kind of thing. That's good. Oh wait, that's my pond. <laughs> From the Washington Post, the insecticides that target disease-spreading mosquitoes are running into nature's ultimate defense mechanism. Uh oh, evolution. Mm. This week, scientists reported that mosquitoes in Cambodia and Vietnam increasingly carry a mutation that makes them resistant to a commonly deployed insecticide. Uh Uh-oh. Researchers found that in Cambodia and Vietnam, 78% of sampled mosquitoes had a mutation that, in laboratory studies, showed resistance to permethrin, available at Target and REI. You can get that stuff just about anywhere. It's not that unusual. You think, well, Cambodia and Vietnam, ha ha, wouldn't happen here. Well, go down and buy some at REI. That mutation has been seen previously, but never at such a high frequency in a mosquito population. So they don't have any effect at all when they're getting sprayed with this stuff. The new study also found extreme resistance to two different insecticides sprayed in the Cambodian capital, Phnom Penh. One insecticide sprayed there killed only 10% of mosquitoes, while the others didn't kill any. Wow. Insecticide resistance in mosquitoes is increasingly a public health concern, particularly as populations of Aedes aegypti, the yellow fever mosquito. Yeah. And other species are growing and expanding their geographical range as a result of climate change and urbanization. Long, long ago... 
I remember reading about the fear of mosquitoes mm-hmm. generally for, for health officials all over the world, malaria. A number of diseases are carried by these little buggers. And there was a concern even then that they, that they were on the pathway to being essentially invincible. And uh, so this is one more sign that... Invincible? Well, in the sense that they yeah. just keep coming back. We're just going to have to start nuking them. Yeah. If this news makes you want to eat spinach, may I recommend a donation to KUCI instead? Just go to KUCI.org. Your generous donation is how we stay on air. Commercial free, free form, free speech radio, KUCI 88.9 FM. There you go. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. From Reuters News Service. The European Union agreed on a new law to prevent companies from selling into the EU market coffee, beef, soy, palm oil, wood, cacao, chocolate, rubber, charcoal, furniture, and other commodities linked to deforestation around the world. So we're talking about deforestation here Mm -hmm. and what the European Union is trying to do to prevent it. Mm. The law will require companies to produce a due diligence statement showing their supply chains are not contributing to the destruction of forests before they sell goods into the EU. Or they could face hefty fines. Deforestation is responsible for about 10% of global greenhouse gas emissions that drive climate change. Mm -hmm. The law did not extend protection to other wooded land that has trees but is not a dense closed forest. So they wanted to go to other wooded lands, but I guess that didn't pass. That means 600,000 square kilometers of woodland in the Cerrado Savanna, the fastest growing frontier of agricultural expansion in Brazil, would not be subject to the law. That's an area roughly the size of Ukraine. Wow. Yeah. Wow. The EU said in a statement it will review whether to add protections for other wooded land in one year and other critical ecosystems in two years. So at least they're bringing it up again. But yeah. Well, this seems to be in keeping with the uh, initiative on biodiversity, making sure that we continue to try and help the earth recover from the things that we've done to it. Yeah. I hope. Well, I don't like this one-year and two-year business, too. Grandfather. How bad does it have to get? Yeah. I, I guess I know that the answer to that question. Yeah. Real bad. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah, real bad. Real bad. From the Atlantic, dozens of once crystal clear streams and rivers in Arctic Alaska are now running bright orange and cloudy, and in some cases they are becoming more acidic. This otherwise undeveloped landscape now looks as if an industrial mine has been in operation there for decades, and scientists want to know why. That's what scientists do. Let me, let me help them out. Uh-huh. Because maybe some of them are listening right now and they're wondering. Yeah. Like, like, well, let's let's hear what Mike and Nathan think. Uh-huh. People, people, human yeah, beings. That's the problem. Yeah, there's so many streams that are not just stained; they're so acidic that they curdle your powdered milk. <laughs> really? Yeah. Roman Dial, a professor of biology and mathematics at Alaska Pacific University, said, "In other streams, the water was clear." But you couldn't drink it because it had a really weird mineral taste and tang. 
And not Tang, the thing that you, the powdered stuff. Right? The astronaut yeah. drink. The astronaut. Tang. Tang. Many of the rusting waterways are located within some of Alaska's most remote protected lands, including the Arctic National Wildlife Refuge, the Gates of the Arctic National Park and Preserve, the Kobuk Valley National Park, and the Selawik Wildlife Refuge. The phenomena is visually striking. It seems like something's been broken open or something's been exposed in a way that has never been exposed before, Dial says. All the hard rock geologists who look at these pictures, they're like, oh, that looks like acid mine waste. So it looks like a mine's been there, but it hasn't. According to researchers, the rusty coating on rocks and stream banks is coming from the land itself. The prevailing hypothesis is that climate warming is causing underlying permafrost to degrade. That makes sense. This releases sediments rich in iron, and when those sediments hit running water and open air, they oxidize and turn a deep, rusty orange color. So what you're looking like from these aerial photographs is what you're looking at is kind of a, a you know, how rivers look like little veins or, or uh, stems on mm-hmm. a tree. Mm-hmm. Well, there's these, are these stems when you look at, but surrounding them and in the stem itself, it's, it's yellow and brown and copper. <sighs> Not what you want to see around a river. Right. Well, this has been a topic of conversation here on Weekly Signals for quite some time, the melting of the permafrost all around the world and the ramifications of all that. So this unfortunately sounds, you know, And the exponential release of methane of the planet on account of that that we're not even prepared for. Right. The release of methane alone in the permafrost is basically a red, a game changer for, for the world. From the Christian Science Monitor... The Colorado River's largest reservoirs stand nearly three-quarters empty. Uh Uh-oh. Don't we get water from over there? We do. And federal officials are now saying there's a real danger the reservoirs could drop so low that water could no longer flow past Hoover Dam in two years. We got it down to that. We were talking about this about a year ago or so, but now they're saying they've got kind of a timeline on it. It's what they call Deadpool levels. Yes, Deadpool. They talk about, I believe, Lake Mead in those terms now. Yeah. Deadpool. We are in a crisis. Both lakes could be two years away from either Deadpool or so close to Deadpool that the flow out of those dams is going to be a horribly small number, and it just keeps getting worse, said Tom Boschaski, director of the Arizona Department of Water Resources. He said there's a real danger that if the coming year is extremely dry, it may be too late to save the lakes. I would like every water user on the Colorado River to recognize that the 21st century has substantially less water than the 20th century, he said. And all of the institutions we built in the 20th century need to be adjusted in months, not years, in order to face the reality of less water for every user in every sector, in every state. That's the way I feel about these things. So when they postpone, in this one case, uh, by a couple of years, to whether they're going to look at deforestation, like this guy's attitude. It's not years, it's months right now. Yeah. Otherwise, we're just going to fall further and further behind exactly right. and never be able to get out of this mess. That was one of the most depressing things about the Trump administration for me personally was 
at a time when we needed to be getting better about these kinds of things, saving water and the planet and biodiversity, it was actually getting worse. Yeah. It, 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 the legislation was getting worse. The, the we policies, were... the legislation, all of the things, we were going completely in the wrong direction. And now we have to sort of figure out a way to make up for the lost time, which we don't have much of to begin with. Speaking of water, mm -hmm. from BBC News, a giant aquarium containing a million liters of water in the lobby of the Radisson Blue in Berlin burst, oh my. flooding the hotel and nearby streets. The Aquadom, home to 1,500 fish, is 52 feet high and was described as the largest freestanding cylindrical aquarium in the world. Wow. The tank had contained more than 100 different species of fish. The vast majority of them died while the cold weather had made rescue attempts more difficult. There had been speculation that freezing temperature, which dropped as low as minus 6 degrees centigrade overnight, that's about 22 degrees Fahrenheit, may have caused a crack in the tank. Aquadom was opened in December 2003 and was given the Guinness World Record for being the world's largest cylindrical aquarium. I guess right now it's uh, the Guinness World Record for the world's largest shattered cylindrical <laughs> aquarium. They'll look back on this time, and it'll be kind of this age of, I don't know, foolishness isn't strong enough of a word. What's the word we should be using to describe Ignorance. this? Ignorance. Hubris. Look, we're buying hotel rooms. There were hotel rooms facing this giant cylinder filled with water and filled with these uh, tropical fish yeah. in Germany. Yeah. Where it's freezing. That's hubris. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and you know, that's the thing. It's embarrassing. When I see these kinds of things, yeah. I've traveled a little bit and been, and even here in the U.S., I mean, there's all kinds of examples of this. It's embarrassing huh. to see people ooing and aahing over something as incompatible with the world as it should be. Don't get depressed. You're listening to KUCI 88.9 FM, Irvine, California. Visit us on the web at KUCI.org, on Facebook at Facebook.com slash KUCI 88.9, on our Tumblr blog at KUCIRadio.tumblr.com, and on Twitter and Instagram at KUCIFM. Well, we can do something about this. Okay. Here you go. Let's do something. Work on it. Yes. That's all you can do. People have always been this stupid. Yeah. Not like we're unique. We just gave stupid people a lot of telephones and yeah. video equipment. That's why we're going through a tough time here. Right. Do, I don't know. We just got to make them smarter, I suppose, because yeah. they don't want us to take their televisions away. Right. Right. The, the problem with, yes, stupid people have been with us and it probably in similar proportions for, for a long time. However, the problem is we got a lot more people. And so that means we got a lot more stupid people. And and also the damage that you can do today as a human being proportioned to your place on the planet outsizes uh, that by a lot. Yeah. Our ability to inflict damage on 
and extraction onto this planet is much greater than it's ever been. So stop it. So stop. And let's work to get it going better. From the New York Times, the Secretary of Energy nullified a 1954 decision to revoke the security clearance of J. Robert Oppenheimer, oh. a top government scientist who led the making of the atomic bomb in World War II, but fell under suspicion of being a Soviet spy at the height of the McCarthy era, which was all BS. Yeah. And for what it's worth, the Secretary of Energy, it, that is what used to be the Atomic Energy Commission. Yeah. So they nullified this decision. In a statement, the Energy Secretary Jennifer Granholm said the decision of her predecessor agency, the Atomic Energy Commission, to bar Oppenheimer's clearance was the result of a flawed process that violated its own regulations. As time has passed, she added, more evidence has come to light on the basis and unfairness of the process that Dr. Oppenheimer was subjected to, while the evidence of his loyalty and love of country have only been further affirmed. Was part of this, and maybe you don't know the answer, I'm speculating from my, my memory is, is that because he expressed some reservations about the creation and deployment of, of atomic bombs and, and that kind of stuff, that's when his loyalty came into question. I believe it was when Teller started getting too much control. There you go. We have a street named here in Irvine after Mr. Teller. Edward Teller, Dr. Edward Teller. We had uh, yeah. Mr. Teller visit the university. In fact, you can listen to a few of his rambling speeches on yeah. KUCI in our archive section. Yeah, okay. Yeah, but okay. Teller, he's kind of the, the bad boy of the uh, yeah. uh, atomic bomb. Yeah. And I believe the uh, real... Pressure came during the hydrogen bomb development. Yeah. Oppenheimer didn't want to go any further. That's, yeah, that's, there you yeah. go. That's what I remember that. From Vice, a collection of obnoxious and perplexing influential dimwits have been charged with brazenly pumping stocks via Discord, Twitter, and podcasts, and then dumping their shares without disclosing that they were doing so, generating $100 million in profits by illegally throwing their followers, their own followers, over a million altogether under the bus and running over them, according to a Securities and Exchange Commission report. Together, the group had about 1.5 million Twitter followers. Talk about stupid people again. (laughs) Not only the followers, but the people who were leading them, to whom they allegedly disseminated false and misleading information about the securities that they had pumped and dumped as part of the charged scheme. The Department of Justice noted in a release that the defendants positioned themselves as skilled stock traders by posting pictures showcasing their profits and extravagant lifestyles. This is what drove people to them. They stood in front of uh, Ferraris yeah. and said, oh, these are our cars. Yeah. Yeah. And their infinity pool behind them and yeah. the view of the ocean. and they Which yeah, wasn't theirs. Which wasn't theirs. <laughs> You know, the infinity pool. And encouraging people to follow them on social media in order to share in their financial gains. The problem, the SEC dryly notes, is that the alleged criminals, but proven dimwits, had a tendency to discuss their scheme over Discord voice chats that they believed were private, but they were actually being recorded. So the SEC now has all this uh, information, recorded information, of these dimwits. uh, You know, just... uh, Oops. Yeah. Good evidence. Say what? Right. I can imagine the, the, the conversation between them. What? 
Oh, they were calling their investors effing idiots. Okay. Yeah, it was. It reminded me of the Exxon thing in California with the uh, electricity. Remember? Yeah, the, yeah. They had the traders on the. They caught on tape the 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 people who were working for uh, Enron. Enron. I said Exxon. Yeah, Sorry, yeah, Enron. Yeah, and and how they had them literally saying, "What a bunch of idiots!" Well, they we, we have, were laughing at an old lady yes. who was yeah. Was what, trying to heat her home or something like that in the electricity brownouts, yeah. blackouts. Yeah. Which caused the, un, was the undoing of our governor at the time. What was this, Gray? Gray, what was his first name? Spalding uh, Gray. Spalding Gray. Thank you. <laughs> How quickly we forget, but anyway, that's a long story. From Smithsonian Magazine, using a protein called talon, which is found in human cells, scientists created a novel material that can absorb the impact of projectiles, even those flying faster than the speed of sound. Mm. So we got this goop we can put on things that will actually repel things that are crashing into it. Talon helps cells get around inside the body and may also play a role in memory storage. Oh, great. But notably, it acts like a natural shock absorber. Talon molecules contain structures that, when put under tension, unfold and stretch out. Once the tension is released, they fold back up again. They can do this shock-absorbing maneuver over and over without harming the cell. By adapting the talon molecule and linking large numbers of them together, the researchers created a gel-like material they call hydrogel (laughs) that maintained the natural protein's shock-absorbing properties. To test the technology's effectiveness, Scientists placed the gel atop an aluminum plate and fired tiny basalt particles and larger bits of aluminum at it. These small projectiles traveled at speeds of more than 3,350 miles per hour, (laughs) three times faster than a bullet fired from a handgun. The hydrogel absorbed the shock of the projectiles, successfully protected the aluminum plate, and captured the projectiles without destroying them. Wow. Yeah. A Talon-based outer layer on a spaceship would potentially remain intact even after multiple high-speed strikes from micrometeorites or space debris. Wow. Not only that, it would capture the space debris. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Consumers may also one day reap the shock-absorbing benefits of Talon in their running shoes. Yeah. Put a little coating of that on the bottom. Yeah. Uh, Vehicle bumpers. Huh? Sure. Except the other car would stick to you, I guess. (laughs) And cell phone cases. Okay. You just throw your cell phone down now. It doesn't matter. Well, amazing. Amazing, amazing. Yeah? Oh, yeah. Wow. He likes that idea. He wants a ball made out of that stuff. (laughs) Well, we're working on it, Mama. From Los Angeles Magazine. Cooler heads did not prevail in San Bernardino this election as a wafer-thin majority voted to pursue seceding from California. Oh, my God. San Bernardino wants out. Well, don't, don't tempt us. <laughs> yeah, that's, what I'm looking, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. That means the county of 2.2 million people joins a movement little seen outside small rural counties in Northern California and Oregon who proposed forming the new state of Jefferson. Yes. Yeah. State of Jefferson. <laughs> 
Though the idea is unlikely to succeed in San Bernardino as up north, the election's pro-leave vote indicates a well of resentment within the fifth most populous county in the state, whose 20,000 square miles contain more land than nine states. Yeah, it's a big, big county, right? Yeah. I mean, we take out, I, mean, I don't know if we take out Delaware, but we certainly take out Rhode Island. Yeah. Let me guess. Let me guess the political affiliation of the majority of the people on the council who are in favor of this. Uh, Let me take a wild guess. Uh, It's been a rough few years, said Kurt Hagman, chairman of the Board of Supervisors, that placed the proposal on the ballot, citing record inflation and friction over COVID restrictions. Oh, well, yeah, yeah, I mean, there you go. You don't want to get sick. Yeah, (laughs) so leave the state. However, the option of actually seceding from the state is not realistic because all the steps that actually go into it are not going to happen. It's unlikely the measure would make it past step one. Technically, the new county measure EE was not a vote to secede, but a vote to let supervisors study the possibility of seceding. (laughs) You know, they were pumping it up. You know, when you go, people ask you to sign their petition. And, hey, do you want to? Leave California and all the horrible things about California. You know, you don't want to turn into Los Angeles here. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Article 4, Section 3 of the U.S. Constitution states, No new state shall be formed or erected within the jurisdiction of any other state, nor any state be formed by the junction of two or more states or parts of states, without the consent of the legislatures of the states concerned, as well as of Congress, which means that uh, this would require not only California, but Arizona, Nevada, Oregon, and Congress to sign off on the plan. And it's probably more than a simple majority. I bet it's a two-thirds thing. And I don't know, but well, probably extraordinarily high bar to do something like this. And when it gets down to it, San Bernardino, benefits greatly from the taxes that the whole state's paid. Exactly. They like to think they don't benefit greatly, but they don't take into account all the public services that are available to them from the state of California. As is often the case, more often than not the case, that states around the country who wail and bitch about federal government and, oh, my God, the overreach and authoritarianism from Washington benefit greatly by virtue of, of programs that help support their societies, their, their states, and also they pay a lot less in taxes proportionally yeah. to how much they get exactly. back than, than any other, um, most other states who, don't, who want to stay part of the union. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so they are. Uh, and then again, we could just get rid of them. Again, they, don't tempt me. Yeah, yeah. well, there's don't, a lot don't, of wonderful things in San Bernardino. There are? Yeah, yeah. I'm kidding. I know there are. Yeah. Yeah. One, they're they're known for yes. a particular breed of person. Yeah. But well, I don't I, yeah, I won't say it no, on, we, we on air. Wanna, yeah, we, we don't want to go there. But yeah, are, we're all thinking it. Don't worry. <laughs> but I you know, I go out there and see a uh, California Quakes game. Uh Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. They're out the, there. Rancho the minor league. Uh, is that Rancho? Cucumber? Rancho or Rancho, Rancho? The Quakes. The Quakes. Wherever they're located. Yeah, yeah. They're out there. What would they call the state too? They could call it Cucamonga. That'd almost be worth it. Yeah. To have a whole state called Cucamonga right in the middle of California. 
And we can put up a border wall. Yeah, that would be that. Uh, now, see, now we're talking. Yeah. Now, there's a border wall I could get behind. Yeah. yeah. From the Gothamist, New York's Metropolitan Transportation Authority is considering a new device that can detect a certain unpleasant smell in subway elevators. Yeah. Is subway this, a station. this is a big problem. Subway elevators? Well, apparently okay. that's a nice private place to urinate. Oh, I gotcha. New York City Transit President Richard Davies said the agency would be testing an odor detection system that would send out an alert and response when a urine-adjacent aroma is identified. Okay, well, that makes sense. I can see that. People are saying, though, is the reason you don't get calls from people is you don't respond to the calls. Right. So you need some piece of high-tech equipment in order to respond, and you just don't take calls. Why don't you just post a sign? Right. That might be a good idea. Yeah, well, they, yeah. Smell like urine in here? Yeah. Call. Yeah. And there could be threat levels, right? There could be just like beer level urine. Like you smell beer, like urine beer. And then all the way up to, to asparagus. Asparagus. Yeah. That's your, that's your five, five, you know, five alert. your red alert. Your red alert. Yeah. There you go. From the drive, avoiding vaccinations for COVID-19 could soon drive up your car insurance payment, thanks to revelations from a new study. You don't get vaccinated, you pay more uh, insurance on your car. The study evaluated 11 million drivers in Ontario, Canada in 2021, comparing accident reports and vaccination status, and found unvaccinated drivers to be at a 72% increased relative risk compared to those who are vaccinated. Hmm. Notably, the increased level of risk applied across all of the unvaccinated people, regardless of factors like socioeconomic status and place of residence. The study suggests that the type of person that doesn't get vaccinated is also the type of person more likely to be in a bad auto accident. Okay. You're winning me over here, Nathan. All this has the potential to feed into what you pay for car insurance. Given the correlation between vaccination status and driving risk, insurance companies could soon be asking drivers about their vaccination history. I, I wasn't initially when you brought it up. I wasn't. I was thinking, is this a bridge too far? Because, first of all, I have an unblemished record of being in support of vaccines and the, the, the deployment of vaccines. Unblemished record. And so. But, As do most intelligent people. Yes. Yeah, yeah. so like, uh, and so I was a little uncomfortable, though, with the idea that that would be a. Uh, but as but you'd you, pay less insurance. Yeah, no, as you stated. I mean, statistically, there are a lot of other factors that come into play when you're getting insurance and, and that deter, are somewhat determinant of how you're going to be as a driver. So whether it's your age, whether it's your history, whatever, whatever it is, and here's another factor. So I, yeah. guess, I guess let's get them. Well, and I would assume, too, that these people would be more likely to fly into a road rage. Road rage. Yeah, yeah. I yeah, guess. I, I guess. mean, if they're upset about getting a little needle stuck into their arm, yeah, they'd be upset about me flipping them off. <laughs> <sighs> From Los Angeles Times, the California psychedelic mental health bill, as I call it, the possession of personal <laughs> use of certain what? Now? Wait, what do you call? I thought I thought it would be the Nathan Callahan initiative bill, but that. It's not. It's, they should. I haven't had psychedelics for a long time. Okay. Yeah. Well, and I don't know if I'd have it even if it was uh, you know everybody was taking it these days. 
Yeah, that's I don't good, know if I could. Uh, I could watch uh, Porky Pig pull me over again. <laughs> that's for another time. We can yeah. talk about that. Story. Yeah, I don't yeah. want to yeah. talk about it yeah. now. I just, yeah. I'm telling you, yeah. you were yeah, Porky Pig. saying that I would should name this after myself. And yeah, well, yeah. I think it's a good health bill, though. Yeah, no, let's. And get, I just let's, made up. Let's the find name. out more. Let's find the out possession more. and personal use of certain psychedelic drugs like magic mushrooms and uh, ayahuasca would be decriminalized in California under a bill introduced back by uh, introduced backed by mental health professionals and veteran groups. Oh, yes. Supporters say uh, supporters of Senate Bill 58 say decriminalizing psychedelics would pave the way for better treatment options to alleviate substance use disorders and other health issues like anxiety and depression. State Senator Scott Weiner. Is it Weiner or Weiner? I don't know if either of them really work. You know, if you want them. Yeah. A Weiner Weiner. It's it's unfortunate to be... Your last name be W-E-I-N-E-R. It could be Burger. It would be better. Burger. Yeah. 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 Scott Burger, Democrat, San Francisco, reintroduced the bill roughly four months after an earlier version was gutted in a key state assembly committee amid opposition from law enforcement and a handful of Democrats who joined Republicans in voting against it. The bastards. Well, there's a reason for it, and I have to maybe kind of agree with it. The new proposal excludes synthetic psychedelics, including LSD and ecstasy, which were included in the previous iteration. So you don't go with the uh, synthetics. SB 58 will allow only plant-based hallucinogens such as psilocybin, the active ingredient in magic mushrooms, and DMT, which is found in some plants used to brew ayahuasca. Uh, Only naturally occurring psychedelics that would be allowed under the bill include ibogaine, other naturally occurring psychedelics that would be in- allowed under the bill include ibogaine, a psychoactive alkaloid found in the aboga shrub, and mescaline found in cacti other than peyote. The bill would authorize the sale of these psychedelics in dispen- would not. The bill would not authorize the sale of these psychedelics in dispensaries or at all but would rather be a directive that police cannot arrest individuals for possessing or personally using limited amounts of psychedelics. It would only remove the criminal penalty for personal possession or use of small amounts of certain psychedelics and still prohibit the sale of these drugs to minors. The bill will face its first committee hearing and legislative vote in the spring. Outstanding. You know, you've mentioned the veterans groups, and that is something of a breakthrough in the last many years of dealing with people with PTSD and all the trauma that comes along with war. They have found in limited studies that psychedelics have a tremendously beneficial impact on people dealing with severe trauma. And certainly war would would, uh, be classified as something like that. uh, Well, that's the problem with making certain things completely illegal. Well, that's what we have here. Right. We have a substance that is helping certain people right. that is completely illegal. You're not allowed to have it. You can go to jail for having these things. Yeah, and even more yeah. draconian than that, you can't do research on it. Yeah. You can't, you're not allowed to find out whether or not all of the mythology that's grown up around these substances is true or not. Whether yeah. or not it is beneficial or not beneficial, let's find out, and then we can make an informed decision. Right? So the problem to me is not whether this is psychedelic use can be good Mm. it's 
how do we create a law that allows for the good part of psychedelic use to yeah. to uh, flourish? Yeah. And uh, it, that's difficult work. That's what people don't appreciate about right. legislation and, and right. politicians. The type of work that they do is trying to f draw the fine lines. Right. It's easy to say, you know, I love psychedelics. I want this to happen or, you know, psychedelics derange people. It's much more difficult to, to find a, a way that helps people. Yeah. And from Consumer Reports, this is a depressing piece of news for me. Lead and cadmium could be in your dark chocolate. Consumer Reports found dangerous levels uh, in chocolates from Hershey's, Theo, Trader Joe's, and other popular brands. What? Research has found that some dark chocolate bars contain cadmium and lead, two heavy metals linked to a host of health problems in children and adults. The chocolate industry has been grappling with ways to lower those levels. Consumer Reports scientists recently measured the amount of heavy metals in 28 dark chocolate bars. They detected cadmium and lead in all of them. Oh, my God. If consumed regularly, these heavy metals could cause developmental problems among children and in adults, hypertension, immune system problems, kidney damage, and more. Heavy metals like cadmium and lead often accumulate in cocoa solids, making products with more solids, like dark chocolate, more problematic than others. Hmm. Brands like Theo, Trader Joe's, and Lily's all had high levels of lead and cadmium, making them the riskiest ones tested. The study also tested brands like Giardelli dark chocolate and Taza chocolate, concluding that their levels of the heavy metals were low enough to make them safer choices. Consumer Reports said that it could be difficult to trace just how these heavy metals make it into dark chocolate since they have different ways of contaminating the chocolates. Lead often seeps into beans after harvest from contact with roads and dirty equipment. The best practice is to minimize to the best practice to minimize lead levels is to clean and dry the beans carefully. Cadmium contamination occurs primarily through the soil beans are grown in, making it more strenuous, making it a more strenuous process for the chocolate industry to remedy. Now, this story really isn't getting around, and I go into Trader Joe's with my one dark chocolate candy bar, and it was their their uh, chocolate lovers' chocolate, mm -hmm. and it's rating was way off the chart for both lead and cadmium. Oh, my God. It was like nearly uh, three times more than you should have. Wow. Okay. Now, one thing you can do is eat a little bit less with chocolate. That'll help right there. But still, I go in there, and I, I showed them the article and got my money back in the chocolate bar. But they were, they were saying, oh, this report. They don't know what they're talking about. We had people look into this. This is a brand new report. Yeah. It was just published yeah. uh, on the 21st in, in uh, uh, where we got this from, which is uh, Consumer Reports. Okay. Wow. But chocolate. I know. I'm with you, I'm with you on this one. Yeah. Well, that's terrible. And it's, that is, a, it, just speaking as someone who's been in retail and, by the way, happened to work at Trader Joe's, wrong way to approach it. Where, yeah, we, uh, for them to tell me that. Yeah. Oh, I'm so sorry. Uh, you know, we're looking into this right now. Right, right. Uh, you know, uh, we're doing our best. We're yeah. going to make sure that this don't, doesn't. Don't tell matter. me this is BS. What I'm reading, I'm, right. Consumer Reports isn't exactly a far left right. organization. It's it's a pretty mainstream right. 
organization that looks into the, yeah. whether things are good and bad that you're purchasing. Yeah, and, and don't sound like the tobacco industry. Yeah, exactly. Ah, there's nothing to ah, that. It's yeah. bad science. Ah. And finally, Uh-oh. from the South African, according to a promotional poster that has been doing the rounds on social media, South African pastor M.S. Budeli has the power to help people see their future in their smartphones, cancel all their financial debt, and even see God. <laughs> all you have to do is log into Pastor M.S. Bedelli's worship conference <laughs> and pay his special prayer fees. You can subscribe to the Weekly Signals Weekly Review podcast at weeklysignals.com. Weeklysignals.com. Subscribe now.